Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 39th episode, the Bruno Gaio Camelli episode. And I am back for the first time in 2023. And does it ever feel great? I'm sure you all can see that, you know, I uh, I have new theme music. I'm also on camera. Um, and I felt I didn't really have a real podcast until I got rid of the F1 song and, you know, the the Crofties lights out and, and away we go. So unfortunately, the the iconic commentary, uh, it will it will be retired. Um, but as my first episode being in uh, in February, it was a longer hiatus than I uh, than I expected it. But, you know, I, I started a new job. I also had a loss in the family. So I decided I just I'd take a step back and and just enjoy the extended break Um I hope I didn't lose too many of you uh, because I have big plans for 2023. The video is obviously a big part of it. I've really been building my TikTok. Um, So episodes of this podcast are hopefully now going to go onto YouTube and uh, I'll be posting many clips to TikTok. So yeah, honestly, if if you haven't, if you, you know, been missing my content, you should go and follow me on TikTok. I've been doing a ton of stuff on there. Just some fun little uh, F1 stuff. So yeah, definitely you should absolutely check that out um yeah I, I hope everything goes smoothly with the camera i already had one little hiccup i have a brand new laptop and i realized i can't even plug in my microphone to the brand new laptop so i have to buy a dongle but here we are i couldn't wait any longer i had to get the next episode of break bias up here um but yeah since i had such a long time off we've certainly missed a ton of stuff so i decided the first segment makes a whole lot of sense to just you know catch up on maybe some important notes of stuff that we missed in the off season some of you may already know them if you're as hardcore as i am um but if you're a little more casual and you listen to my podcast and that's it i'm going to try to catch you up a little bit so here's what everyone needs to know for 2023 First off, there was a wild few days involving F1 team principals back in 2022 in December. So Mattia Bonato, team principal Ferrari, he's out. He's replaced by Fred Vasseur, who left his role at Alfa Romeo. He's the team principal there. Alfa Romeo grabbed Andrea Seidel from McLaren for their new CEO role. And by the way, CEO like Zach Brown at McLaren, like he's their CEO. So now Seidel is stepping in to their CEO role. So they still needed a team principal. Um, and they just signed one recently. I've never heard of them. It was Alessandro something. I guess I probably should have wrote that down. <laughs> I honestly don't know much about him. So I'm looking forward to see how, how he fares. Um, and then McLaren promoted Andrea Stella, different guy, not, not the same guy as, as Seidel. Um, super similar name though, just, they promoted him within, he was already there. He actually used to be uh, Fernando Alonso's race engineer at Ferrari back in the day. So that is kind of interesting. And he has a lot of experience and from what I've heard is actually a great, uh, internal hire. Also Williams, this one's super interesting. They've parted ways with Yas Capito, who I actually was a fan of and a uh, former technical director FX to Maison. And they found a replacement for Yost uh, in former Mercedes chief strategist, James Vowles. Yes, that James, the James you're thinking of. Valtteri, it's James. Uh, also, uh, Mick Schumacher, they, uh, he joined Mercedes as a reserve driver. I'm not sure if I was around for that news, so I thought I'd just quickly throw that in. 
Um, and one of the biggest stories of the offseason for me is not even the team principal drama. It was the Andretti Cadillac thing. This bid um, to to try to join F1. Andretti's been trying to join F1 for a while now. Um, and then to partner with, you know, a GM brand like Cadillac really sounded like it was a strong bid. However, it was met with a ton of resistance from from other F1 teams. As uh, Alpine, they they voted on it. Alpine was the only team to actually vote to like approve their entry, and it's kind of you know made it look like okay, Andretti Cadillac are trying to use Renault engines, so you know they're the only team that is trying to to bring them into the sport. It sounds like the Alpine's finally going to get a customer again. Um, so I think it was kind of expected that they would use Renault engines, but I think that just kind of gave it away. But I was surprised. You know, I, I'm obviously not in the paddock. I've never spoken to Michael Andretti. I don't know how he is as, as a guy. I don't know a lot as, of of what has been said. Um, so I can only really give my thoughts from the outside. Um, and as an F1 fan, I'm a little bummed. You know, I thought it sounded really great um, on paper. Like I said, I don't know the stuff behind the scenes. But an 11 team sounds so fantastic to me. And honestly, I would be in even for for a team like Andretti to come in and replace. I know Williams has so much history, but, you know, they're just owned by Derelton now. It's not even really the same team as it used to be. Um, I would be fine if, you know, Porsche came along, bought them, or even Andretti. I don't know. I get what they're worried about because they think, you know, it's like Alfa Romeo isn't Alfa Romeo. They're Sauber. Alfa Romeo just, you know, purchased naming rights of the team, basically. Um, and I think they're worried that this will be the same thing. You know, they don't want another Sauber to come in um, because it doesn't really add to the sport. I get it, um, but I don't know. An 11th team and, you know, the prospects of maybe a big manufacturer like GM coming in down the road and, you know, being more involved with the team sounds great, but I get it because I don't think they want to go much more than like 12 teams on the grid. And, you know, with prospects of Porsche potentially coming in, I know there's been rumors about Hyundai, uh, you know, Honda, maybe they'll come back. You know, there's a ton of manufacturer brands that have, Toyota used to be in there. You know, there, there's a ton of possibilities. So I guess, you know, it makes sense to just wait um, until maybe Andretti can really prove that, you know, this isn't just us. This is like we have the might of GM behind us. That would be extremely interesting. Other than that, I guess I see the concern, but yeah, I know there's been some back and forth Andretti calling all the F1 teams greedy because they don't want them coming in and, you know, biting into the the prize money because, you know, every team gets prize money uh, for the Constructors Championship standings. Um, but yeah, speaking of standings, I will segue this perfectly into what I think is completely uh, natural next thing to do, and that's to give my predictions for this upcoming 2023 season. So let's go to that. So uh, I'm going to do more predictions in the future. This this isn't going to be it. Um, uh, what I'm about to rip off right now is uh, instead of standings, actually, I'm I'm going to go team by team. Talk about, you know, how I think they're going to progress this season and uh, discuss the driver head to heads. Also, every one of these teams like car launches are coming up. Haas actually just announced theirs. It is coming like right around the corner on like Wednesday or something. Again, probably should have wrote that date down, but I didn't. And I'm already rolling. So let's keep rolling. Uh, starting with uh, Williams, we'll go 
from last to first from last year's, I guess. Um, yeah, with uh, with James Valls coming in, not that I, I don't have any respect's not the right word. It's not that I don't believe he can do a good job. I just think this team had a huge opportunity to take a step forward last year, and they didn't. Some people saw it as a step back because they went from 8th to 10th. Some people saw it as a step forward because even though like Haas was barely a team last year, and then they kind of got lucky to beat Alfa Romeo, and at the very least, they were kind of equal with Alfa Romeo. Um, but those teams were so far behind where Williams, you know, like Albon was consistently like 12th. Yes, that's not where you want to be, um, but he's in the hunt for the points. They're just not quite there. Um, so I see the argument for saying they actually took a bit of a forward step. But to me, it's a sideways step. They still are at the back of the grid, regardless of where they finished. And obviously, 10th is not where you want to finish. Um but it's also the employee turnover at the top. Uh, Darilton, bit of a sus owner, I think, right? Like they, they're not an F1 business. They're, they're an investment company. Um, and I think they'll pour in the money to, to, you know, field the team. I don't think they're going to, unless they really have confidence that Williams can take that next step, which they haven't given Darilton any confidence. Like, I don't know what else you know, they're not showing anything um, of conviction for Darilton. Um, and then I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but, you know, CTO and team principal out just like that and bring in two new guys. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't uh, sound like it's going to make for a great 2023. Um, you know, maybe I think the effects of this move is kind of seen more next year and and years in the future. So I don't really see them making a big step in 2023. They had, you know, a very fast car in a straight line, but that the downforce on that car was severely lacking. And when you're a team that is removing paint off of your car to try to try to reduce weight, I think uh, that says a lot about um, your team, unfortunately, and your car. Um, but as it is for drivers head to head, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Logan Sargent could do. I don't think the Williams is going to be so bad that like you can't compete in it i think you can still race in the lower end of the midfield so regardless if williams only scores less than 10 points again they're they're going to be able to show you know like albon again like i said was in 12th all the time if sergeant's consistently you know finishing ahead of alpha tarries and and hasses and and alpha romeos perhaps who knows who will be back at the grid if they're finishing ahead of those guys even if they're not scoring points, you know, you're still showing your, your might as a driver. Um, I, I guess I'll say, so it'll be interesting. Um, however, who do I have, I guess, a better idea in my head, who's going to be, you know, maybe grabbing that lucky not a P nine to grab a couple points here and there. Cause I don't, I don't see Williams getting a big points haul at any time, but if it is, it's gotta be Alex. And even though, Logan might score a couple points. I can't imagine that, you know, he's going to be the one there to get that big points haul when Williams gets the opportunity. So I, I rate Alex. So yeah, I think it's clearly got to be him. I know some people are very high on Logan. And when you are a team that scores such few points, it really can just come down to, you know, a lucky points finish. And, you know, if Logan does somewhat match Alex, then maybe he can be that guy. But I, I got to see it. You know, if he, if he won F2, Yes, he was a rookie and he had a solid season. He was the highest 
scoring rookie. But I don't know if his F2 season really gave me so much confidence that he's going to be able to match Alex right away, who is a severely underrated driver, I think. So, yeah, uh, let's move on from Williams. We'll go to AlphaTauri. Um, so I know some people might say that Williams has the the worst driver lineup on the grid with a really unproven rookie in Alex Albon, but I'm going with this lineup. Um, Nick DeVries, overrated in my opinion, and Tsunoda did take a step this uh, this year. I think he was a very fast qualifier, but I don't think I haven't seen enough of him in races, um, especially if Alvatari is not competitive again. Um, I do expect an, an improvement in performance this season, but I don't know if, if less Alvatari is, you know, there consistently, I don't think, you know, sonoda has got the experience or, or even just, I feel like he's just a quick driver, but he doesn't know how to race. I don't know. I, it's crazy. Me saying this coming from a guy who, you know, I didn't race at a high level at all or anything. So it's, it seems crazy telling it or saying that an F1 driver doesn't know how to race, but it does kind of feel that way because in qualifying, he was able to match Gasly, but in so many races, silly things were happening um, from Yuki's side of the garage. Not so much Pierre's. Pierre did have kind of a scrappy season too, but let's be honest. Um, Pierre wouldn't crash coming out of the pit lane in Canada. Pierre wasn't the one who took uh, his teammate out in in Britain. Um, and countless other times, I, I can't remember them all because it just happens so often with Yuki. I know it's only two years in, but I, I don't really have the confidence um, in him that some other people do. Uh, so honestly, unless a team like completely botches 2023, I don't think I see them getting better than eighth. I think eighth is probably their ceiling if, if say, Williams and Haas really, really mess it up because, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess that's all I really say. But in terms of who I actually have, in the driver head head, it's tough because I could see Nick having a good season, but I think I'm also a little bit lower on Nick DeVries than I think a lot of other people are. They're expecting him to come in. Like I feel like people forget that Monza, you know, the Williams was basically built for Monza and a couple of other tracks. Um, and that was it. Nick DeVries came in to drive in that Williams and he'd already done it. Yes, of course, way less than Latifi. But again, he's against Latifi, so we didn't get to see him up against Albon in the Williams. And he was in the best, or the car was in its best track, on its best track. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? He was in the best possible um, scenario to get into Williams to try to score points. And I feel like people kind of forget that. Yes, was I impressed with him? Yeah, absolutely I was. Do I think he can really, you know, sustain it over a season and beat Yuki, who has done this for two years, even though I just kind of shit on him a little bit? I I think that Yuki can can handle it. I don't think Yuki's going to blow him out. But again, if someone on the, on uh, on Alvatari is going to pick up like a P5, I think it's probably Sonoda. Um, and again, when you're at the back of the grid like that, it really comes down to those big points hauls. Like Gazi last season with the with the P five, I believe it was in Baku. That's what's gonna you know push you over the line when it comes to beating your teammate. So I got Yuki in this one, but I think this one will be close. Like I said, worst driver lineup on the grid, not even close. Um, so now we're going to Hass. Is it? Yeah. Um, I think their lineup is actually going to elevate them. 
Um, but their development last season was was very sus. It did not encourage me. They they held off and and said, you know, we don't see a rush to to bring all these little bits to our car, and they're not going to do anything. We'd rather wait back and and do a big development that we know is going to work. Then they did that. Then it didn't work. So that is extremely alarming to me. Um, but if they, you know, come out of the gates with a good car to start the season again, I think they have two reliable drivers is exactly why they got rid of Mick and brought in Nico. I think the beginning of the season again is a, is a, is a part of the season that they have to target for high points. I think P seven is possible, but it's also probably their cap there. I don't think there's a chance they finish higher than P seven. Um, and if they don't come out of the gate flying, I could see this going south really fast and probably a drop to P9. I still think Williams is going to be P10, though. Um, and in terms of driver head-to-heads, I actually got Holkenberg. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Magnuson is a solid driver. I just think, you know, the amount of times Magnuson starts his weekend great and then something along the lines happens where he just kind of loses his points opportunity. I feel like that's going to more likely happen with, with, with Magnuson than it is with Hulk. I think those random weekends where Haas is actually really competitive. um, If, if they both keep it on the track, I think Magnuson can beat Hulkenberg. I just think, you know, who's going to have the, the issues, you know, wheel to wheel with people. I think that's more so Magnuson. I think there's a few opportunities that he loses out on that Hulk's there to pick up points, and that's what's going to propel Hulkenberg over Magnuson. It's just a prediction at the end of the day. I could absolutely see this one going the other way. Um, So basically what I'm saying is I see it's going to be close, but I'm going to predict Hulkenberg because I I rate Hulk. I think he's a very underrated driver, and I'm actually kind of excited to see what he can do in the Haas. Um, so yeah, let's move on to Aston. And I actually have quite a bit more to say about this team than I do the, the previous three. Um, because this is a team that I actually have pretty high hopes for. Um, I think their lineup is slightly improved. I know it's, you know, going from Alonso or Vettel to Alonso, how, how much better could that get? They're both, you know, world champions of the highest caliber of driver, um, but I also think their biggest hires of, of 2021, you know, uh, Dan Fallows from, from Red Bull, Eric Blandin from Mercedes, they're now fully integrated into the team. Um, and they, they had one of the best development last year. And I think that might be a reflection of what those guys can do for, for this team. Blandin and Fallows were both highly regarded when they when they got hired at Aston Martin they also have their their factory almost ready i think the car launch is for Aston Martin which i want to say they're almost all mid february except for Red Bull and Haas are early um so some t- whenever Haas's launch is again another thing that i should have written down i'm sorry um but i think they're actually doing their launch there and i think there's a lot of reasons to to believe in the progress of this team the only thing I guess to worry about is the strolls, but honestly, Lance, I've seen some people make the arguments that Aston Martin will never be a serious team with Lance Stroll in uh, one of their seats. I get it. 
I don't think, you know, if they ever got to the point where they're fighting or even close to a constructor's championship, Lance Stroll is going to let you down. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's, you know, unworthy of an F1 seat. I can also see the argument for, you know, this guy's had his time. Give it to another young guy. You could say that with a lot of people, I think. Um, So Stroll is just very mid. There's really just no other way to say it. Now, in terms of making fun of Lawrence, I actually disagree with that. I think maybe he's a bit too involved sometimes, but you want an owner who is driven and wanting, you know, he wants the best of the team, not an owner like, let's be honest, I think the Ferrari owner, even though, yes, they're ultra competitive, I just think they're, well, maybe a better example would be Williams. I just think Ferrari has so many things going on. F1 is going to be their priority for uh, always, but uh, Williams is a better example. They're, they're not an owner that really cares about the success of the F1 team. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I really do think that's the case. I think they're just trying to make money. Um, anyway, back to Aston Martin. I got off on a bit of a tangent there. I think anything below P6 is a failure this season. Um, so I'm already setting a pretty high standard for them because the top five teams in F1 seem pretty set. I think they need to be the next team in line. Um, they basically almost did that last year. If they didn't get off such a terrible start, they would have done it. Um, I guess there are reasons to be concerned um, when it comes to to challenging anywhere near McLaren or Alpine, you know, with with Piastri replacing Ricardo and and Alpine seemingly on the rise and and you know they might have a an unknown driver lineup chemistry, but those teams should in theory both improve as well. So it would be a massive step for Aston to take start challenging with those guys, but I think they have to be ahead of the Alphas and the Alpha Tauris and yeah, I I would be very disappointed if they were in the mix with them. I think they could find themselves in kind of a healthy middle in between the top end of the midfield and the bottom end. So they're the mid midfield. <laughs> um, but they have to start making progress. If they want to achieve, you know, these, these high goals that they've set for themselves, they need to take a step this year. And in terms of driver head to heads, not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. It's going to be Alonso. We all know it. Alfa Romeo. Um, this is a team I've gone from Aston Martin, who I'm, you know, expecting a lot from to a team that I'm not expecting a lot from. I'm kind of pessimistic about them, to be honest, especially in the short term. Um, in one year's time, this team will be back to Sauber. And uh, in three years time, it'll be a brand new team. Audi, of course. Um, and the Seidel appointment felt very Audi related, not so much Alfa Romeo and Sauber related. I don't know if this team really has all their chips uh, into these regs. Um, so, yeah, Audi is a different team. So all the people who are with Sauber are are going to want to end on a good note. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm thinking too much about that. And I'm And you just have to look back to last season. Their development was maybe one of the worst on the grid. Um, Haas and Alfa Romeo, definitely one of them had the worst development. Um, and as much as I like Joe, I think the driver lineup is also kind of overrated. It's it's subpar in my opinion. And it's a weird phase where I'm not assuming... No, sorry. I, I am assuming that most of these people don't know um, if 
they have a future at this team. So I think that kind of, I don't know, I am kind of speaking a lot of speculation and I don't really know for sure what the deal is behind the scenes. I don't know. I think the main point that I've kind of didn't spend enough time on is, is their development last year was extremely poor. They came out of the gate with one of the lightest cars and it really showed early on. I, I didn't really love Alfa Romeo or Sauber at the end of the, the last regulations. I don't have confidence in them to develop and stay, you know, above Aston Martin. I think they could, you know, drop all the way back down to P9 again. I think they could easily stay P7. Either way, I think it's Aston's time to really overtake them. And I think the best this team can hope for is P6 or sorry, P7. Um, but yeah, the driver lineup, I love Joe. I feel like I, I honestly think this. I didn't hear anyone say boo about Joe during the early parts of the season. And I was already saying like, guys, this guy's getting extremely unlucky. He's actually pretty good. I give him full credit. And I'm not trying to take credit for saying, for kind of starting the show hype train at all. Cause I know my viewership numbers and I know I didn't start a show revolution. Um, but I do appreciate every single one of you that watch this, of course. Um, but it does really feel like now that like everyone loves Joe and talks about him, how he had a great rookie season. And I wasn't that convinced. I mean, I think in qualifying, he matched Bottas ex- extremely well for a rookie. But in terms of the race, I think Bottas was was quite significantly better. And if they had a more, um, more like a car that's performing better, if they had a better performing piece of machinery to work with i think bontas is it's kind of like a lower scale of the russell hamilton stuff that i'm going to get into i think the fact that hamilton was looking at it as this was one of his worst cars is is going to bring his performance down while russell saw it as one of his best cars which is going to make him excited and bring his performance up joe's happy to be in f1 bontas even though he says he's happy to go to alfa romeo and i i honestly genuinely do think he is happy to kind of be a leader of a team this is one of the worst cars he's ever been in. Not the worst, but I think that stuff matters. And I've talked about Alfa Romeo for quite a while. I really don't know where to rank them if I had to predict a spot, but I think it's a step back. And I got Bottas over show. Okay, McLaren. Um, kind of a disappointing season last year, I'd say. Uh, they also have a lot of question marks, but forward steps, I think, are are necessary if this team wants to you know, retain one of the sport's top talents, and that's that's Lando Norris. They underwhelmed significantly last season, partially due to Daniel Ricciardo-related reasons, um, and also their their lack of performance. and And also looking at what they did in the in the preseason testing, and people were talking about how McLaren looked like one of the fastest cars, and then all of a sudden we get to Bahrain, and they're a nightmare. I think. There are quite a few reasons, you know, the the brake related stuff and and starting on the raw off on the wrong foot is always going to set you back. Um, they also have an outdated wind tunnel, which I think could have been a product of maybe some of the early season struggles they had. Um, and obviously, yeah, like I said, the poor driver performance definitely held them back on Lando's side of the garage. Phenomenal, though. Um, and. In terms of the McLaren project and trying to get back to the top of the sport, I don't really have a lot of faith in their project, to be honest. And if Aston 
does, you know, take a huge step, I think if any, if they're going to really overtake, you know, an Alpine or a McLaren, I think it's definitely McLaren. I believe more in the Alpine project. Um, the only thing that McLaren does have going for it is, is Oscar Piastri next to Lando Norris. That's a sneaky top three best lineup on the grid. If Piastri, you know, is who we think he is. However, for a rookie season and how well Norris has really come into his own, I think it's got to be Norris this season. And even though Piastri might still impress, I still think Norris is going to take this handedly because when you're a midfield team, Piastri can have good races and be, you know, P10, P11 as a rookie. And people are going to be like, oh, he's doing a good job. Um, but if Norris is that in that consistent P7, the points gap just will, will build really fast. So, yeah, I, I'm going to take Norris over Piastri. And, and also, it's another one of those things talking about earlier. If if McLaren does get a chance to get a big points haul, you know it's going to be Lando. Come on. So, yeah, I, I'm going to take Norris over Piastri handedly. However, I could also see Piastri, you know, in qualifying, like being really close to Lando, but just in the races not being quite as consistent just because he's a rookie, which I think is is completely okay. Now, Alpine. Um I really like the direction of the Endstone based team right now. Um, I think their drivers are a bit sus. That's maybe the one main hindrance they might have. Um, Cause I don't see a big four of manufacturers in F1. Uh, I do think Alpine is kind of the ugly stepchild of the, of the manufacturers. Um, and I don't really see that getting better. Uh, just they're they're a long way off, um, and and they they could easily just implode reliability wise and with their engine deficiencies and of course the the driver lineup is is like I said sus and people think Gasly and Ocon don't get along. I think it's better than most people lead it on to be, but we know how Ocon races his teammates. I don't think Gasly's gonna want to you know, take a step back. He's going to want to assert himself at this team right away. And especially if these guys are kind of, they're civil right now, but they don't really like have a true amount of respect for each other. They both think they're better than the other. It's just a recipe for fireworks. And that's why everyone's talking about it. Who do I think will have a better season? I'm going with Ocon. I've always been an Ocon guy. I think he's underrated. He's going to be there. I think more often than not, if someone's going to have like, they're going to bend their car or, you know, have a bad qualifying. I think it's Gasly. Now, who do I think also has better potential to maybe get a podium? I think it's Gasly. But Ocon is just so consistent, and Gasly is not Alonso. Alonso should have beat Ocon if their reliability problems were equal. He would have because Alonso was just different gravy. But Gasly, I think, is inconsistent where Ocon is consistent and I don't think Gasly's quick enough to really grab so many big points hauls that it's going to make up the difference. I got Ocon in a tight battle with Gasly, um, but taking it. Now we're going to Mercedes, who I think we obviously all know that they had their first down year after climbing to the top of uh, the pinnacle of motorsport and, and staying there for quite a while. I know a lot of you are sick of them for sure. Um, but from what I understand, though, is that Mercedes knows exactly where they went wrong last year and they know how to address it or at least partially know how to address it. Um, 
And in terms of development, I've mentioned that a lot from last season, just what I've been able to observe. Did a team develop better than Mercedes last year? I don't think so. I think Aston is maybe the only team that you could really argue did a better job. I wouldn't be the one making that argument. (laughs) Um, But I think the steps they made at the end of last year, they apparently know where they went wrong in the winter. So in theory, they should be able to, you know, fix that going in. They had these amazing numbers on the simulation. Is that going to matter this year? I don't think so. They have the most wind tunnel time of the top three. So they should in theory, be able to develop the car really well this year as well. Better than Ferrari and Red Bull, at least. I think the that's what's going to hurt Red Bull in the, in the tail end of the season. If it's close, I think Mercedes and Ferrari could be able to take bigger steps at the end of the season. We'll see. Um, but talking about the drivers, you know, what an impressive season we got from George Russell, of course, now entering year two at the team, a team with renewed hope and, and higher expectations this year as well. Um, I do think that a lot of people are expecting, you know, the fun and kind of more team oriented duo from 2022 of Lewis and George to possibly clash in 23. Now thinking about Lewis's 2022, I know some people actually argued that he had a better season than George and I'm a Lewis fan, as you can see, but I think George had the better season. I think that, you know, people are just like, Oh, there's gotta be a reason for why, Lewis Hamilton didn't have, you know, a season that we expect from him. And he just beat a guy who's first year at the team or let a guy who's first year at a team beat him. I think it was a lot mentally for Lewis, for sure, to go through what happened at the end of 21 and then come in with a car that can't compete with Max. And then he obviously was helping the team develop. I think Lewis honestly just doesn't care whatsoever about the head-to-head especially of last year he just wanted to be able to compete for a championship if he's now able to compete for a championship i think we're going to see a different lewis so i got hamilton over russell in 23 because i have faith in mercedes rejoining the fight do i think they're going to win tune in next monday (laughs) um but no russell had the better 22 and if you think that that doesn't make sense because I'm taking Hamilton in 23. Then you don't understand my argument, which I guess is kind of my fault for not explaining it well enough. But hey, listen better next time, I guess. <laughs> um, Ferrari. Uh, I think I'm higher on Ferrari um, than most are this season. Although a lot of the things I'm about to say maybe don't add up to you know saying that I'm higher on Ferrari. Um, because I don't believe that Bonato was the problem at Ferrari. And I also don't believe that Vasseur is just going to be the savior. They obviously had a ton of problems with reliability at the at the first in the first half of uh, kind of like the second quarter of the season, I guess. Um, and of course, strategy was a massive problem in the first half of the season. But I think Vasseur is going to come in and he is going to shore up the strategy a bit. Do I think Ferrari is going to come out here and be as good as Red Bull strategy? Absolutely not. I think they're still due for a few airs. I think it'll be slightly better. Um, but what makes me more optimistic is the performance of the car. They had a really well-oiled machine to start the season last year. I think they really had to tune down their engine. They kind of gave up on developing and increasing their performance um, because of the unreliability of the PU. 
they have a great lineup. So I think they're going to get another big gain of performance this season. Um, hopefully they don't shoot themselves in the foot and they can develop into the tail end of the season because I think that is where Red Bull is going to be vulnerable. You just have to be able to stick with them at the beginning of the season. And that is going to be the toughest task because Red Bull has built themselves quite an amazing machine. I don't think what they bring into 23 is going to be drastically different, to be honest. So as long as Mercedes and Ferrari can stay in the fight at the beginning of the season, I think that's when Red Bull will get vulnerable is in the tail end. So I got Leclerc over signs. I don't think many of you are going to be surprised by that. Again, doesn't really make sense that I'm saying that because I am really high on signs. I think he had probably one of the unluckiest seasons of his career, but Leclerc is going to be extremely tough to beat. So I still going to go with Leclerc, but I think it could be closer this year. And I think we could see signs, maybe pick up another win or two, maybe another poll or two as well. Now the last team Red Bull, I've kind of mentioned a lot of what I want to say about Red Bull already, kind of talking about these last two teams. And I also think that they have probably one of the most no-brainer driver head-to-heads. Actually, probably I will say this, the most no-brainer head-to-head, even more than Alonso Stroll, Because when you're uh, a P6 type of team, Stroll can get a lucky podium and make that could be the entire, you know, Alonso might, or sorry, Aston might only score, you know, 30 points next season and it can be 17 from stroll just because he had one p3 or something that that type of stuff can happen when you're when you're at the back when you're at the front and you're in a title contending car you're also as good as max verstappen and let's be honest i don't i don't have prez in an elite category i don't know about you so i think no matter where what type of car i'm taking verstappen and then to have it in the team that's probably still most likely to score the most points I think it's going to be an absolute whitewash again for Verstappen. And I don't see any possibility really of Perez getting close. So, yeah, I, I you'll have to tune in next week to see where I think the, these teams will really end um, in terms of the standings, because that's what I'll be talking about next week. Um but yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I hope you guys enjoyed video. I'll be getting this up on YouTube. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for the Bruno Gallo Camelli episode. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. Of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. And I will see you guys next week with episode 4-0. Big 4-0. Talk some car launches and uh, my season standing predictions. Goodbye.